Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Network. I'm your host, Niner Noise Associate Editor Peter Panacey, uh, coming at you from a post-Week 11 uh, breakdown. The 49ers, of course, Taking to the road and uh, knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars in sound fashion by a score of 30-10. to 10. Uh, The Niners with their second win streak of the season. This time uh, it's uh, coming off the back of arguably their most impressive win a week ago against the Los Angeles Rams, which led to s- some thoughts, potentially, that uh, this Week 11 matchup in Jacksonville could be something of a trap game. But no such trap games here. You didn't see that. The 49ers were absolutely dominant in all three phases, offense, defense, and even on special teams, too. And we're going to talk a little bit about all of that, as well as some other things going forward in this reaction podcast. But before we do, just a little bit of housekeeping. As always, we would appreciate it that if you like what you hear, either from myself or Robert Morrison, Chris Wilson, any other of the the guests and uh special people that we have here on the podcast, go ahead and leave us that five-star review. Uh, Hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment too. We always like to hear from you and be sure to check out everything over at NinerNoise.com. So anyway, if you saw the game, and I'm sure you did if you're listening to this podcast or we rewatched it or what have you, Kyle Shanahan basically went with the same approach that seemed to work so well against the Rams a week before, and that's to literally dominate the time of possession. And for the second week in a row, the Niners got out to a very, very elongated drive that ultimately led to them nearly doubling the time of possession over Jacksonville. It was 38-22 in terms of the 49ers' time of possession, whereas the Jaguars only had the ball for 21 minutes and 38 seconds. So uh, generally speaking, when you put together a 20-play, 87-yard drive that spans 13 minutes and 5 seconds, uh, that's going to chew up a lot of clock. And I believe, according to ESPN stats, of, stats and information, 
that was the longest drive in NFL history. So uh, the Jaguars defense, it has some strengths. And, you know, one of the things that you kind of were wondering about going into this game, uh, Jacksonville had allowed an average of only 3.9 yards per rush. So it wasn't going to be easy for the 49ers to move the ball on their ground on the ground, especially being without Elijah Mitchell, whose uh, broken finger is still healing, without Jamichael Hasty, who's still dealing with an ankle injury, and then hoping Jeff Wilson Jr. only making his second appearance on the season after tearing his meniscus last year, and then of course Trey Sermon getting a little bit of an uptick in use, but none of that matters when you have this player named Debo Samuel who seemingly can just do everything and I'm honestly waiting for him to just throw a pass or go up and play cornerback or something at this point just because he's so versatile so as far as Samuel's receiving numbers of course nothing too great there just one catch for 15 yards he's still shy just by six yards of being the first 49ers 1,000 yard wide receiver since Anquan Bolden did it back in 2014 that that mark's coming and of course, as we're recording this on a Sunday night, uh, it's it's still possible that uh, Samuel holds on to that number two spot. I'd have to take a look at the rest of the standings, but the league leader, uh, Cooper Cup of the Los Angeles Rams, they were idle this week with the bye. So nevertheless, Samuel got involved elsewhere. Eight rushing attempts, 79 yards, a 25-yard touchdown on the ground. So even if he's not able to get the ball into his hands in, in, in the passing game, he's still finding a way to make an impact. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote about Samuel as being one of the 49ers studs from this game. He clearly was um, finding ways to make a difference, even when everything else just, you know, might not necessarily be there. And one of the things, if you mentioned, if you noticed during the game that they were talking about here is that the Jaguars like to play a lot of man coverage defense. And so that opened up things for Brandon Ayuk, who uh, actually led the team with seven receptions on, on seven targets for 85 yards, also had a touchdown, one of two touchdowns Jimmy Garoppolo threw during the game. And it is great to see Ayuk coming on. And you're kind of waiting for that stretch point where both 49ers wide receivers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, are making impacts. Maybe they're in different ways. You know, Maybe Samuel's kind of the, the versatile on the ground, jet sweep, carrying the ball, yards after the catch guy, whereas, you know, Brandon Ayuk's making, you know, contested catches and 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 uh kind of a go to guy in certain situations, that's that's fantastic. So We'll see how that pans out over the rest of the year, but you finally got to see that. And most importantly, the, the, the 49ers putting together uh, two dominant wins. And over these last two games, the 49ers have scored a combined 61 points while allowing just 10. Now, if you're factoring in the Jaguars, it's, yeah, it's the Jaguars. They're terrible. We get that. But the Rams, that was an impressive win too. <laughs> You've got to keep that in mind. So this two-game stretch here, uh, to get the 49ers back to the 500 mark and right back into the thick of things as far as the playoffs are concerned, certainly a good sign. So uh, I want to touch on kind of what the greater picture is here in a little bit and, 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 and why all of a sudden the playoffs have come back. But just a few other things that need to be pointed out from this particular game. And, and, and I've got a piece coming out about all of this over at Niner Noise, and it should go live on Monday afternoon evening. But there's a couple of trends that I, I, I'm happy to say have, have happened for the 49ers uh, in recent weeks. One, take a look at the fact that there really haven't, hasn't been a problem with defensive pass interference as of late. You go back to that Colts game, right? And it was literally the Indianapolis Colts 
MO on, on third and long plays to just toss it up in the air and let the 49ers commit defensive pass interference. And I think three of them were like on third downs or third and long or something like that from way back when. It was a problem. Hasn't really been a problem in recent weeks. And there was only one uh, defensive pass interference call from Sunday's game. It was on safety Jaquaski Tart, uh, who reverted back to being the starter over Talanoa Hufanga, who still got plenty of field time, by the way. But nevertheless, Tart committed committed a DPI in the end zone, and um, it 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 led to a to a Jaguars touchdown, their only touchdown of the, of the game. It was in garbage time, so it didn't really impact the outcome whatsoever. Uh, but that was the only penalty on the 49ers, period. Only accepted penalty on the 49ers. And you think about recent weeks, there really haven't been the same kind of problems with pass interference or defensive holding or anything like that uh, during this, you know, this nice stretch of, of three wins over the last four games. So that's a good trend. That's a very good trend to see. Another very good trend to see is the Niners being on the right side of the turnover differential again. Niners were plus two in the turnover differential against the Rams. Well, guess what? They were plus two against the Jaguars. And during that entire time, the Niners didn't turn the ball over. Now, that might not have mattered so much against a hapless Jaguars team, right? I mean, Jaguars offense is awful. I I don't care about James Robinson. You know, he's been good for for the Jags this season. Trevor Lawrence has shown moments where you could see I you know, yeah, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. But that offense is terrible. Let's let's call it how it is. They stink. But against the Rams, not turning the ball over, time of possession, tiring out an opposing defense, that's how you do it. And it's the one thing the Niners can truly control, right? I mean you can truly control whether or not you turn the ball over. And this was certainly a case where uh, the 49ers protected the ball. Over his last four games, Jimmy Garoppolo has only thrown one interception, and that was against the uh, the Cardinals, where the 49ers turned it over three times, um, but hasn't turned it over in the other three games and hasn't turned it over these last two. 49ers didn't turn it over at all. Instead, they were on the right side of the turnover uh, margin with uh, Josh Norman, the embattled cornerback, everybody's favorite. Well, guess what? You know He, he still can make plays, and he did, uh, forcing a fumble and Fred Warner recovering it. And then Trent Sherfield, we haven't talked about him a lot this season. Uh, after impressing so much during training camp and in the preseason, he's kind of got off the radar a little bit, but he's still a very good special teams contributor, and he was able to recover a muffed punt return attempt by the Jaguars' um, Tavon Austin for the second 49ers defensive takeaway. So, yeah, the Niners are still pretty bad when you're factoring in defensive pass interference calls overall. I think they still have 14 and lead the league in that category. Uh, They're still not particularly great in turnover differential. I I haven't looked it up, but I think it's like, I want to say it's it's minus seven, that they're still behind on that. But nevertheless, back-to-back weeks where that's been good should certainly help influence that trend going forward. And the Niners are going to need that trend going forward too because you've got a very potent if inconsistent, Minnesota Vikings team come into town. And, of course, the Vikings pulling off a uh, a, a thrilling, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it that, but a thrilling 34-31 victory at home over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And, and boy, you just got to love Aaron Rodgers, right? Got to love Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They don't do the 49ers any favors ever. 
but it would have been nice if uh, Green Bay would have been able to hold on and uh, and win, or even just hey, look, don't fall behind so much early or you know early on. It was looking the Vikings were going to just cruise to a to a, to a big win. I think they're up what twenty three to ten um, in the third quarter, and then of course the the fourth quarter is just insane, and <laughs> and the Packers come back. Uh, take a lead, and then the Vikings wind up retaking the lead and and going for two on a Justin Jefferson touchdown, and then you know the Rodgers comes back and and passes it 75 yards down the field to Marquez Valdez Scantling for a touchdown, and that ties things up. And then oh hey, the Vikings for like the first time in what feels like forever. Good thing I'm not a Vikings fan, but uh, they kick a game-winning field goal. So, you know, the Vikings are an explosive team, and we'll probably wind up talking a lot more about this later on in the week as we kind of get you ready for um, for Week 12, 49ers-Vikings at Levi Stadium. Uh, but here's the more important part behind all of that, is now you are looking at the reality of the 49ers being back in the playoff discussion. It's almost crazy to think this based on what was going on just a few weeks ago when the Niners were just swamped in that four-game losing streak and then having lost four or, uh, you know, what, five out of six, I think it was. Um, but the 49ers are back in it. And, and you, know, you, you see that benefit of the extra playoff berth, right? You see that benefit of, of why this can keep teams interesting and, and what have you. And sure, there's going to be people who complain that, yeah, hey, that it, a bad team's going to get in there that shouldn't deserve to be and, and whatever your traditionalist. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? If you're a 49ers fan right now, you're stoked that seventh seed exists. So... In the wake of what happened in week 11, and we still have one more game to play, that's going to be Monday night um, between the uh, Giants and Buccaneers, but the Giants aren't really factoring into the playoff mix, and uh, the Bucks are already you know, at the top of the NFC South, so they're already in the dance, whatever. Um, right now, 49ers are the number eight seed in a seven seed NFC conference. The number six seed is the Vikings, and in between the two are the Saints, who just happened to lose happened to lose to the uh, to the Eagles, and you know things might be crumbling a little bit for for New Orleans. So that's good news for for San Francisco. Um, but the Vikings are in the sixth seed. All three of those teams that I mentioned, the 49ers, Vikings, and Saints, they all have five and five records. So if you're kind of a football novice and you're not too sure how that works and how the tiebreakers go, it's based on conference record. And the Vikings and Saints both have better conference records than the Niners right now. So that's just kind of how that works. Um, But if the Niners wind up beating the Vikings in week 12, obviously you can take a look on how big of an implication that could have on playoff seeding. So sure enough, not just for bragging rights, not just to keep the momentum going, you're going to want to see the 49ers beat the Vikings. It's kind of one of those clear-cut examples of where you can control your own fate, control your own destiny. Interestingly enough, the Rams, uh, whom the Niners beat um, a little over a week ago, and uh, they were on a bye this week, uh, they're the number fifth, the number five seed with a seven and three record. So, anyway, the NFC West is is shaping up to be again that tough division that everybody thought it would be heading into the year. The Cardinals, of course, they're on top of everything, 
And uh, at this point, it's probably just best that you hope they run away with it and don't really impact anything else because 49ers aren't going to be catching up to them. And uh, you can at least laugh a little bit because they beat the Seahawks, who have now lost three in a row. Seahawks are the number 15 seed, by the way, with a 3-7 and seven record. So make of that what you will, and you almost kind of have to wonder how the 49ers fell to the Seahawks way back when. But those two teams will face off in the very near future. Um, of course, you get that rematch up in Levi, or up at a, what is it called now? It's not CenturyLink, Lumen Field in Seattle uh, on Sunday Night Football in Week 13. So, of course, the 49ers, if they can handle business against the Vikings, hopefully can go take to the road and uh, return the favor to the Seahawks for what transpired earlier this season. So you get that all together, you know, again, dominant win from the 49ers over the Jaguars. That's great. Jimmy Garoppolo was, was, was great. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily dominant, but hey, he was very Jimmy G-like. Didn't turn the ball over too. So maybe a little bit better in that regard. Debo Samuel is great. Uh, Nick Bosa uh, surpassed his rookie year career high of sacks. He had nine back in 2019. Well, he got two more today, so he's now at 10. Uh, Fred Warner, Aziz Alshire, like fantastic linebacker duo. Um, yeah, I, I mean, great. Generally great play. Fine. We can talk about that until we're blue in the face. But one of the things that I do want to kind of get into a little bit as we close things out here on the Niner Noise podcast and... Uh, and start to look ahead is Kyle Shanahan did a little bit of the insert the young players trick. I won't even call it a trick, but rather just the approach of doing that. Uh, something that I know has been kind of brewing a little bit, and especially you know when the 49ers weren't playing well, and then even these last two weeks when the Niners have been dominant. You know, you get late into the game, and there's no reason to play your starters when you're up by three scores with you know, five minutes left or whatever. So obviously with the running back injuries, Trey Sermon had some touches and, you know, he wasn't overly impressive or anything along those lines. Uh, I believe, let's see, uh, I think he carried the ball 10 times for um, 32 yards. Yeah, 10 times for 32 yards, averaging just a little over three yards a carry. He did have one long of 12 yards, so it looked good on that play, but... You saw some of the indecisiveness, you know, not hitting the hole as quickly as he could. And you kind of realize, yeah, that's why Elijah Mitchell's a starter. But nevertheless, you need to give Sermon some reps. You also needed to give some of the other Niners players some reps, too. And even though Jaquaski Tart came back, uh, Talanohu Fongo was out there uh, getting some snaps on defense, which was good. Uh, made a nice play on the open field on on Justin Lawrence or Justin Lawrence <laughs> on on Trevor Lawrence. I'm watching Justin Herbert as we uh, as we record this right now on Sunday Night Football. So there's your mashup. But nevertheless, um, Diamador Lenore and uh, Avery Thomas, the 49ers' two rookie cornerbacks, actually got some playing time late in the game. And Thomas looked a little victimized, you know. But again, those are key reps. You want him to get those. You want him to get some of that experience. Again, a third-round pick, you're supposed to be contributing fairly soon. Uh, maybe not necessarily all out in, in year one, but hopefully by year two. And, uh, you know, he's he's raw. He needs the work. And, and Diamador Lenore, just to kind of get back into the swing of things after starting off the year so uh, so positively. So it was good to see them play. And then, oh, hey, guess what? Trey Lance is in <laughs> late in the game. Granted, it's garbage time, and Jimmy Garoppolo had already gone out. Lance didn't even attempt to pass. Uh, did a few designed runs and then and handoffs, and then basically did the kneel down dance on uh, the final snaps of the game. But 
anyway, just giving players like Lance and Sermon and Thomas, giving those guys snaps is going to be something that will be crucial in these situations, especially when you're up big or even if you're being blown out, whatever the context is. Your high-profile rookies need to get some field time just to get some familiarity, so it was good to see that. Now, the other kind of notable takeaway that you have from all this is Kyle Shanahan's not going to be pulling Jimmy Garoppolo anytime soon for any sort of long-term reason. Other than injuries, other than any of that, nothing of the sort's going to happen. This is going to be Jimmy G's show for the rest of the year until the 49ers are eliminated, someone gets hurt, or Jimmy G just completely bottoms out, which you know we've seen him play poorly over stretches, but we've never seen him totally just implode. So that doesn't seem likely. And if the 49ers are going to be in the playoff hunt, Kyle Shanahan's probably going to go back to his original statement that we kept hearing early on this season that, hey, Jimmy G gives us our best chance at winning games right now. And okay, you know, fine, sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Whether or not that's going to cause problems for Trey Lance's development going into 2022, that's a discussion that's an entirely different matter. And exactly how well Shanahan has handled this I don't really know. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those cliche, you know, time will tell sort of responses to that. But nevertheless, at least giving Lance some 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 chances under center, you know, even if it's going to be a handoff, even if it's going to be just kind of looking at a defense, doing something a little bit different than what you'd normally see during practice against your own players. Uh, even if it's just kind of going through some of the basic motions and and you know developing the muscle memory even of a handoff or a designed run i don't care like those things are necessary getting hit by you know an opposing defender great those are things that are all part of a young quarterback's development so uh the game played out that way it probably should have played out that way for lance to get in late against the rams um kyle shanahan's decision obviously he knows way more about football than than any of us here would in a thousand lifetimes but that doesn't mean he's without criticism, such as not going for it on fourth and one at the Jaguars' two-yard line on the end of the 49ers' first possession. Whatever. Hey, no harm, no foul. The 49ers still won big, and so that that non-attempt on fourth down I don't think will will, will go down forever. I, people weren't going to talk about this in a week, so it is what it is. Anyway, so... A number of key tough games coming up here for the 49ers. The Vikings, they're one of those squads where I don't know what to make out of them. You know, they could beat, you know, a top seed like the Packers, and it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. But they could also lose to a a low seed like the Jets or the Jaguars or the Texans. The Texans actually winning today over the the Titans. That baffles me, but whatever. Uh, The the, the Vikings could lose to anybody, and I wouldn't be surprised. That's just what kind of team that is, and, and... that makes for a dangerous opponent. It, it really does. And uh, the 49ers are going to have their hands full, but hopefully this recent swing of momentum is going to be working in their favor. And maybe the Vikings have a little bit of a letdown game after such a, a high-charged win over their division rivals. So we'll see how that pans out. Anyway, um, we hope again that you enjoy what you hear here on the Niner Noise podcast. As always, if you do enjoy it, you like it, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and leave us that five-star review. It actually really does help with the metrics for the podcast and allows us to reach more people and and interact with all of you. Uh, Leave us comments and be sure to head over to NinerNoise.com for all of your favorite 
49ers analysis, news, insight, and opinions over the rest of the season. So 49ers are 5-5. Five and five. They're back at 500. All the struggles from not that long ago seem like they're not that long ago. It's been a while, or but still kind of in recent memory. We'll see what happens on the next stretch. All right, so on behalf of Robert Morrison and everybody else here at Niner Noise, this is Peter Panacey wishing you all a very, very, very happy week 11 and a very happy Thanksgiving if we don't get a chance to talk with you before the holiday. And let's go ahead and sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.